For as you keep walking forward on God's path, all your stumbling ways will be divinely healed. That's what forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward does in our lives. It heals. Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at The Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, The Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that you are the giver of life. And uh, Father, we thank you that you just don't give life, but God, you give purpose and you give a, uh, just a plan. And so, Lord, today we thank you, God, that uh, for just releasing your plan and your purpose, God, in our lives. God, and even the whole situation we just, uh, the Leah just talked about. Father, we... God, we just take this moment, God, just to cover that. Father, we pray, thank you, God, for just the blood of Jesus covering that night, God, to just any, any plans, any schemes of the devil, anything that he would try to come and to, uh, to cause issues. Lord, we just pray that all those plans would be brought to nothing. And, God, that your plan and your purpose that you have for that night, God, would go forth, and, uh, Lord, without, without any complications. And, Lord, that people's hearts, God, would be gripped and that people's hearts would be changed. And, uh, Father, thank you for just for revelation, God, that you are the life giver. And uh, Lord, we pray for today. Thank you for your anointing that's here today. Thank you for opening up our hearts wide to hear from you. Uh, and Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would come and you do what you do best, and that's change lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, if you have your Bible this morning, go ahead and flip to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. If you're taking notes, uh, the title of today's message is simply this. It's uh, Rewire Your Brain. Rewire Your Brain. In fact, go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, it's about time you rewire your brain. If you found Philippians 3, say, oh yeah. If you're still looking, say, oh no. So listen, if you're in there, it's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. I want to start off basically today by reading the same verse that we started with a few weeks back. And uh, if you haven't found it yet, just look at the screen. It says this. It says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't arrived. He said, But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. What's the next word? The next word, not next words, and, thank you, come on, and, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So, listen, with that in mind, for, for years when I read that verse, I saw uh, that as two different things. Forgetting those things which are behind, check the box one, now I need to reach forward to those things are ahead, check two, right, box two. But the other day when I was uh, studying, preparing, praying, reading all this, I, I, was, I was so drawn to the word and, and I'm going to kind of get geeky on you here for a second. English was not my, my best subject. I'm a history guy all day long. But, but when, when I was reading this, and just hopped off the page at me, and I thought I was going to be cute and go prove what I thought was right in my head. And as I began to basically look, you know, whatever at, at the internet, because that's way smarter than me, I, I learned something. I learned that when we use the 
the word and, that three-letter conjunction, that, that when we put a comma before the word and, then it means basically step one and step two. But if you notice, guess what? Paul didn't put a comma. Now listen, I don't know if they have commas in, in, in the Greek language, so don't correct me, okay? But just work with me, all right? So anyways, I, so what I noticed was is that when Paul decided to use this three-letter, once again, three-letter word that we call a conjunction, he was intentionally connecting what we would normally view as two thoughts, and he made them one. Now let me kind of give you an example in our language how we use basically the word and without a comma. We might say this. We might say that, you know, you know that guy turned around and he walked out the door. Or we might say this, that, that she washed and she dried her hair. Or how about that guy smiled and he waved, right? So in other words, that when we use the word and without the comma in front of it, but just when without it, basically it's a simultaneous or one continuous motion. So once again, looking at the verse, it says, watch this, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead. So as you can see, when Paul wrote this, he was trying to tell us this, that it is impossible for us to reach forward without forgetting those things are behind. Watch this. And likewise, it's impossible to do what? It's impossible to forget those things which are behind without reaching forward. Am I making sense today? So listen, in other words, he's trying to tell us that one without the other, neither are complete. If, if you're new today, I'm going to try to sum up the past few months. I apologize. Okay, so just I'm just believing God will fill in the blanks. Here we go. So, so why am I telling you this? Why is this so important when we're looking at this verse? Because over the past few months, we have spent so much time uh, basically talking about an orphan heart, generational bondages, and the making of inner vows. And in response to all of that, all that stuff that we've heard, what we've we done, we have tried our best to forgive those who were involved in that in a negative way, right? And not only have we tried to forgive those people that have been involved in a negative way, but we've also repented and asked God for forgiveness for the parts that we played in that. In other words, we have spent so much time over the past few months doing the, uh, doing the basically forgetting those things that are behind. But I want you to know today that the job isn't finished quite yet. You, you know, I think sometimes in church it's so easy to sit back and go, man, I forgave them or man, I forgave myself. And we think automatically, whew, the job must be done. And that's not the way it works. And the reason it doesn't work is because according to Paul, there's still a three-letter word hanging in the air, and it's called and. Here's why I'm saying this. In other words, it's this continual motion of forgetting and reaching that brings about our complete healing. Amen? Let me elaborate. When you and I were growing up, it doesn't matter what kind of home you grew up in, there was a piece of it. You had a good home, bad home, it doesn't really matter. But while we were growing up, year after year, we learned basically from interaction with our parents how to live from an orphan heart. If you've been here for months, you know that's true. And then year after year, what happens, we were influenced or even tempted and sometimes even participated in those generational bondages or those generational sins that are found in our family. And once again, year after year, what happened, we responded from the pain and the frustration that we faced by making inner vows. Now, watch this. Year after year, without even our awareness, guess what happened? The byproduct of all of that, neurological pathways or we call it thought patterns, begin to be created or begin to emerge in our brains. Watch this. It's scientifically proven that when we grow older and older and that we think the same kind of thoughts over and over again, that those neurological pathways in our brains become wider and wider. 
Now watch this. Therefore, when you and I, we're just going about life, right? Mind our own business, it's a good day. And then out of nowhere, when we experience something that's similar to a past circumstance, it doesn't have to be the same circumstance. It can just smell like a hint of it. And what happens is, is, is even though we've forgiven that, even though we forgot, uh, forgave ourselves, all those things, gave mercy, grace, what happens is, is automatically our brain responds to what it sees and hears by taking the most commonly used or the most worn out, right, neurological pathway in our mind. And that does what? It causes us to respond to the perceived threat in the same way we always have. So true. So here's how it works. You and I see something or we hear something. And what happens is, is when, when that process immediately, like a flash, goes to our brain, it causes an old thought to occur. And what happens is, is that old thought releases an old emotion, which then produces, guess what, for the whole world to see around us that old behavior. And, and that's why I said months ago that what? That orphan thinking will always produce orphan behavior. But if I'm going to be exact, orphan thinking produces orphan emotions, which produce orphan behavior. So if you can see that, everything in our life begins, once again, with a thought and then it moves to our emotions, and then it moves to our behavior. And where we make the mistake so often, we try to deal with behavior. If you're a parent, you know what it's like to deal with behavior, yeah. <laughs> right? But the problem is not behavior. You got to backtrack. Yes, it's the emotion, but it's the thought that it came from. Why are you thinking that? And if your children are anything like mine, they always say, I don't know. It's amazing how dumb somebody can get in that moment, right? So, so you know, let me maybe give you an example here. You know, over the years, I, I've just, whatever, I've been in this, I've uh, been in ministry now for over 20 years, and I can't tell you how many times in life that someone will find out that I'm a pastor, and immediately everything uh, that our conversation, the way it was working up to then, which was so great, so fun, we're, and they find out I'm a pastor, and like that, immediately everything changes. It's nothing that I have done, right? But what it is, is they have this uh, neurological pathways in their mind that's been widened by many pastors in the past, and they automatically think that I'm one of those guys, right? The same thing can be said when you go to invite somebody to church, right? The same can be said with this, when your new husband does something that your ex-husband used to do. Oh, we got real right there, didn't we? <laughs> I, listen, I have, I have seen so many couples basically be wrecked and live in fear, basically, that their new spouse is going to do what their old spouse used to do. And, and the poor uh, fella has done nothing wrong. And the, and the woman has done nothing wrong, but yet there's a fear there. And the reason is, is because once again, those neurological pathways have been so beaten down that, that you know, look, I'll say it like, like uh, a side set, uh, our brains are lazy, Right? And that's why it goes down the easiest path. So watch this. With all this in mind, it doesn't take uh, rocket science for us that if we don't change our thinking, guess what? That our emotional and our behavioral histories are bound to repeat themselves. That's why, listen, it, it, it's great that we say, I'm going to forget it. But listen, if we're, look, if we're going after a life change, there's another part of the process that has to happen. Right. So it's kind of like this. If you can if you can say this and this is a little bit out of context. But if you look at Matthew chapter 12, it's this principle. Jesus said that basically you can get in there and you can clean the house. 
that you can get the cobwebs, that you can, you can uh, you know, wash the baseboards, you can scrub the floor, you can even get in the attic. You can do all of those things, but guess what? If something of God does not come into the house, guess what? Uh, that old stuff's going to return and it's not going to be good. Right? And so I think so often we think this as Christians. We think, well, I, I forgave them. And you think that just the old thoughts and the old emotions and the old behavior is just going to disappear and go away. And what I'm trying to tell you today is the old will never disappear unless something new comes. Yeah. Amen? So it's this simple thought that the and that we're talking about today, once again, doesn't really have anything to do with our behavior. It has everything to do with our thinking. So... I don't know about you, but when, when I sit back and I, and I you know, first start thinking about neurological pathways, you know, I'm, not, I'm not a scientific kind of guy. That's not my thing. Uh, I like a good story, right? But, but when I begin to think about neurological pathways where my mind automatically went, where I correlated and begin to uh, imagine it or begin to uh, use as an example was simply this, a hiking trail in the woods. I love hiking, right? And, and we live in a great place for hiking, Praise Jesus for that, right? If you like hiking, you can find a trail pretty easy. But, but listen, it's a well-known fact that uh, the more you walk down one path, the more distinct or the more formed the path will become, right? But, but what happens if you and I choose to begin to walk in a different direction where there currently isn't an available path to be taken, right? So obviously, this won't happen in a day or two, but over time, a new pathway uh, will eventually begin to, to emerge, begin to be created, begin to be formed, which also, this is key, will simultaneously cause the old pathway to grow back up, and guess what? Eventually, over time, to disappear, right? Praise God for that, right? So, so listen, I personally believe that's what Philippians 3.13 is all about, that it's the Holy Spirit wanting to partner with you and I to retrain our thought patterns and uh, what? So transformation of our neurological pathways. Amen? Listen, I think Henry David Thoreau absolutely nailed it when he said this. Throw up the next quote, please. Thank you. He said this. He said, a single footstep will not make a path on the earth. So a single thought will not make a pathway in the mind. To make a deep physical path, we walk again and again. To make a deep mental path, we must think over and over and over and over the kind of thoughts we wish to dominate our lives. Now, someone better than David Alethro uh, called God said it this way. <laughs> Romans 12, 2. He said, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Let me pause right there. If we don't think that the things that we see in this world create neurological pathways in our brain, we're fooling ourselves. That's what, that's what uh, listen, I'm not trying to uh, hate on nobody, but, but turn, on, turn on that television and we'll go watch some news. They're creating neurological pathways for you. There's, there's things in, in music, there's things in movies, and I'm not trying to be some legalistic fellow here, but the bottom line is, is those things create neurological pathways in our brains. Proven. Not from Christianity, if you're going to, you know, but from scientific stuff. There's, a, there's a, a purpose in the game there, okay? Once again, watch this. So, so he's saying don't copy that behavior, the customs of this world. He said, but let God transform you into a new person by changing what? The way you think. He didn't say your behavior. He said, by the way you think. So I just think this, that one of, the, one of the primary characteristics of a renewed mind 
is that our past no longer controls our thoughts or determines the path that we walk down. Plain and simple, right? So, so listen, I want to shift gears here. And I'm going to get really practical here today. But, but how, so I'm going to ask you this question, if how does God basically change our neurological pathways? How does God do it? Because you got to understand for a second, if God created us and God created our brain, if he knew that sin and the things of this world would affect us and damage us, us, damage us in a negative way, then surely he has a solution. Great place to say amen. amen. Thank you, brother. So listen, so what's the first thing that he does to change the neurological pathways of our brain is that when you and I give our lives to Jesus, the first thing he does is he gives us the mind of Christ. Now, watch this. The moment that you are born again, when he gives you that mind, that means he gives you access to God's wisdom, God's understanding, God's knowledge, God's discernment, God's insight, and God's thoughts. And if I've learned anything in 20 plus years, I've learned this. God is brilliant. Okay, so watch this. With that said, even though God gives us access to all of those things, guess what? It's still up to us to develop and to grow that mind. It's still up to us. There's so, there's so, listen, we, we have a, if we think that God's just going to do everything for us, we're fooling ourselves. Okay, we, 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 have to, we have to partner with God if, if we're going to get, go anywhere and uh, if we're going to grow in, in all this, right? We got to partner with him. We have a part to play. And so today what I want to give you is, is five things that I've done for years and years and years. And it's not because I'm brilliant, simply because the word says it and I obeyed. Okay, so I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you five steps basically to developing or retraining your brain or re, uh, rewiring your mind. And none of this is new. And, and do me a favor. Y'all have been in church for a while. Uh, don't blow me off here. Don't blow me off, okay? Because it doesn't matter how long you've been walking with Jesus and how awesome you are. Uh, there's something to be learned in this. Amen. Amen? All right, here we go. Number one is we need to make a choice to abide in the Word. To abide in the Word. I want to show you what Jesus said in John 8. He said this, he said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. It's pretty clear, eh? Then he says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I love what the Passion Translation says. It basically says that you will know the truth and the truth will continually be released to you. So watch this. I want you to notice something today. I want you to notice that Jesus didn't say, hey guys, read my word. He said, abide in it. Right. And, and, and listen, I'll admit that this is kind of overstating it here to a point uh, to get a point across. But 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 the word read kind of suggests this, that that, hey, uh, if you like, you, you know, listen, if it's a Friday night and, you, and you're bored and nobody wanted to hang out with you in your home and there's nothing on TV. Hey, then maybe open the book. You, you know, listen, if it's a really bad day and you're sick or whatever crisis is happening or whatever, it's just been the world's caving in around you. Crack open the book. Right? Listen, all of that is, uh, it's, it's very passive. So when we think, oh, we just read the word. It's a passive thought. And I want, you to, I want you to know, Dave, that's what you do with a good book from the library. Right? But, but on the contrary, when the word abide here means this. I looked it up myself. It, it means this. It means, it means to remain, to stay continually. To, and then it actually means this, don't depart. 
Now, obviously, we can't, we can't keep our face shoved in a book all day long. Because the Bible also says he who doesn't work doesn't eat. And by looking at me, you know I like to eat, right? So, so eating's good. So, so can I put this in modern-day terms? Modern-day terms is this. It's basically just make the Word an extremely important part and an active part of your everyday life. It's really that simple. Let me maybe, let me say it this way. It's, a, it's an intentional approach instead of a passive approach. If you kind of get this in your mind, I don't have this on the screen, but Psalms 119, verse 11. I think it's the first scripture I ever memorized. It says this. It says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So if you can see it like this, that I've hidden your word. In other words, that, that when, I'm, when I am uh, abiding in the word, that I am storing up God's word in my heart. Right? And when you store up God's word in your heart, guess what? It helps you to live in a way that honors him. Amen? Amen. So I want you to notice something real quick before we move on to the next thing here. Is notice that Jesus said that, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What I love about that word, and sometimes our English language doesn't do us justice when we're reading the Bible or abiding in the Bible. See what I did there? Is um, that sometimes what happens is, is we go, we read the word know, and we think the word know as far as do I understand it. Right. And, and that's not what it means. It doesn't mean if you have the ability to put two and two together and you get the story, you get the gist of it. Uh, actually, what the word know there means is that you've had a, a personal experience with the word in an intimate way. So that's the goal, that we, would, that we would know the Bible in an intimate way. For you guys that are married, hear this. For you guys that aren't married, close your ears, all right? But, but, but the word, the word uh, know there is actually means the way that a husband would know his wife. Amen? Yes. So there's a personal experience. I, I, I know my wife. I don't know another lady. <laughs> I know my wife, right? And so amen to that. Good thing I married a pretty one. Yes. So, um, oh, man. Let me straighten up today. All right. So, so it's kind of like this. I just, you, you know, I get it. God's a God of peace. But have I experienced his peace? There's a big difference. I know God heals, but have I experienced his healing? See, there's something about when the word comes alive to you and you actually begin to experience it rather than just, uh, once again, understand it. And I'm telling you, when you cross that line, it gets good. Amen. Amen. So listen, Carrie Judd Montgomery said it this way. She said, you get faith by studying the word. It's true. Study that word until something in you knows that you know and that you do, not just hope that you know. That's really good. Number two, the first one's abide. Second one is this, is to believe the word. To believe the word. I know that sounds silly, but I want you to know, man, I've met way too many Christians over the years that partially believe the word. And what I mean by that is this, is they, is they try to take what they see in society and then they try to take the word of God and they try to mesh the two. And, and they try to justify the parts that they believe and the parts they don't believe. They'll, they'll read the book and they'll go, uh, Jonah, I'm big fish. Yeah, yeah, that's fake. All right, all right. So next door, all right, Jesus raised the dead. Ah, that's fake. All right. So in Jericho, yeah, that's, that's fake. All right, that's a good little cute little storytelling in children's church. Wrong. Wrong. You know, it's pretty cool that when, a, that when archaeologists actually go over there and uh, they go to old Jericho and actually find the wall that it didn't go this way and it didn't go this way, that it went that way. 
Science doesn't, real science doesn't, doesn't uh, disprove the gospel. It proves the gospel. Amen. Amen. And, and there's many, 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 many stories about that. But anyways, so I think somewhere in our hearts, guys, we, we got to quit uh, picking and choosing what we believe and what we won't believe. We, it, that, that's wrong. The, the bottom line is, do you believe all of it? Do you believe none of it? it? Listen, Jesus is who he says he is or he isn't who he says he is, right? Bottom line, if he was, if he was partially lying, then he's a whole liar. Either he told the truth or he didn't tell the truth. We got to decide, right? So, so it's this thought that we need to settle in our hearts today what 2 Timothy 3.16 says. I love it. That every part of Scripture is God-breathed. Is that true or is it not true? Did it originate from him? Is it God breathed? Did, did it come from him? Is it his? Did he inspire it? Yes or no? Because until we rectify that in our hearts, guess what? We'll go, oh, well, man said that. Man said that. Man said that. No, man didn't say that. Man was a vessel. Amen? Amen. Listen, the reason this is so important is because of this. Hebrews 4.2 says this. I love this, this verse. This is the Passion Translation. It says, For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did. Man, this, this book's been preached for a long time, right? It says, Yet they didn't join their faith with the word. In other words, they didn't believe it. So what happened? It says, What they heard didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. So bottom line, guys, if, if you and I want the mind of Christ to be developed within us, if we want to forget those things which are behind and reach forward to those things which are in Christ, then faith or belief is an irreplaceable part of the process. Amen? So, so everybody look at me real quick. I know some of y'all are struggling right now. It's awesome to look at y'all's face. Um, I want to give you a challenge. Go read part of the book. That you don't always like. And realize that, yeah, he's talking to you too. Now, now listen, I, you know, to kind of give a balance here. Obviously, there's parts in the Old Testament of the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law. We're not under the law. We're under grace. So, so, so don't be like that time I heard that story that I heard about a young man that he, he basically was in addiction and, and basically was in a, uh, basically a freedom program. And he read the spot in the Bible that if your eye calls you to lust, pop that joker out. And, and his leader walked in and he had a spoon trying to get his eyeball out. Listen, there's some things in there that have a little maturity, it's figurative. Don't poke your eyeball out. All right, so what'd you learn today in church? Well, mama, I learned. All right, anyways, number three, here we go. So number one was abide, number two is believe, number three is this, is we got to meditate on the word. Now, I know we think about that scripture and we think, hmm, all right, but that's not what it means, all right? Someone's to meditate on the word. All right, so simply to meditate means this. It means to rehearse God's word in our minds. Rehearse God's word in our minds. Has anybody, and this may sound silly, but has, has anybody here ever done any acting? Come on, wave your hand like you're proud of it. Come on, wave your hand. Y'all like, all right, watch this. Hey, did you guys have to rehearse your lines? Man, I, I, I have spent so much time on a stage rattling off some lines and, um, you know, you, you can, um, anyways, there's a lot of work goes in that. So, so in other words, to you memorize it. But, but watch this. The, the, uh, the Hebrew language gives us this picture of meditation. And I want you to think about this today while you're at lunch. All right? I just feel like it's going to bless you. Is, is this. The picture of meditation it gives is of a sheep that regurgitates its food into its mouth and keeps rechewing it 
until it's finally digested. Come on, try that with some pot roast today. You'll be blessed. <laughs> See if you're awake. Listen, uh, so in a practical way, this, okay, what's happening when we meditate on God's word, all right? It's, it's simply this, that we're making the conscious decision to think about, to mull over a verse or a passage throughout the day again and again. That's what it means. We're just, we're just mulling it over, dissecting that thing. God, what, do you, what does it mean? Holy Spirit, is there anything you want me to see there? Is there? How can I apply that to my life? Get, work it, and you let God begin to, because the Bible uh, it says the word's a seed. Let that seed go down. Let it germinate in you. Let it thing be watered, let, and let it begin to grow, right? And uh, so often, the reason I say that is because we go, I read, I've been reading the Bible. Yeah, I get that. Great. It's good. You're reading it like a book. Okay, but when you begin to get it in your heart, you begin to make room for the Holy Spirit in it. Guess what? Then it'll begin to change your life, right? So, so everybody look at me, and we've all done it. We're all guilty. Don't act like you're not, okay? Because you're guilty, all right? Is this, is, is we've all read the Bible and just checked the box before. I just got to make it through this today. And, and here's the problem with that. Everybody look, here's the honest part, is when we do that, Five minutes later, somebody could go, hey, man, what'd you read today? I don't know. <laughs> so true, right? I, I've done it, right? So anyways, but if we, if we don't want to have a I don't know attached to it, we need to begin to meditate on it, all right? So, so listen, here's my favorite verse. The Bible has, talks about meditation and several passages, quite a bit of passages, actually. But this is my favorite one, Joshua 1.8. This is New Living Translation. It says, study this book of instruction continually. Notice continually meditate on it, chew that thing over, regurgitate it in your mouth. All right, so I got to quit. I'm trying to mess with y'all. All right, so meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Everything. It says, only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. So I want you to think about it this way. The more of God's thoughts that we run through our minds, the better off we'll be. Right? The better off. Listen, listen, how, how could we ever go wrong by filling up our mind with God's thoughts? Yes? L- listen, if we do that enough, what happens is, is we begin to think like God thinks. And we will what? We'll begin to think like the creator of the universe thinks. And then what happens is, is we can't help but to be prosperous and successful. Because he's pretty successful. Yes? So if you want to be successful, like, listen, if you're a businessman in here, or if you own your, you know, if you're a woman in here that owns your own business, if you're, if you want to be a leader in here, if you want to be a preacher in here, whatever it is, if you want to do outstanding things for God, then guess what? Get, get God's principles rolling through your brain and your heart long enough. Guess what? All that stuff will become natural and it'll become really easy. Even in this simple thing, if, if you, if you learn how to treat people right, guess what? Your business will be more successful. If you're shrewd and a jerk, you're going to lose it, right? And so what's really interesting, when you actually read this verse, this is huge. So perk up your ears here. It actually says, basically in another translation, in Joshua 8 there, it says, it doesn't say only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. It actually says this. It says, then you will make yourself prosperous and successful. Notice it doesn't say God will make you prosperous and successful. It says you will make yourself prosperous and successful. Why? Because once again, you're applying God's ways, right? And you're, and you're thinking like he thinks. You're acting like he acts. And guess what? Last time I read the Gospels, people love being around Jesus. Amen? Amen? 
Even, even this sense, man, a verse that I think about a lot. In fact, when I pray for you guys that own businesses in here, I, I always pray this verse. It says this. It says that God delights in the prosperity of his servants. So God will make you prosperous, yes, for you, right? But, but more so for, for those that you can touch and those you can reach and those that you can benefit. Amen? Amen. Yes, moving on. Y'all looking at me all mean. Moving on. Here we go. Getting me mugged up here. Number four. Here we go. So first one was what? That, that we abide in the word. Number two was that we believe the word. And number three is that we meditate on the word. Number four is this, is that we declare the word. Some people use the word confess the word. Some people talk about just praying out loud. But, but listen, all throughout the Bible, God simply says this. He says, declare what I have spoken. Declare what I have spoken. In other words, he wants us to declare it and to come in agreement with what he is saying. In other words, there's a verbal agreement with what he is saying. So, so to kind of give you maybe a thought here, I think there's a lot of people that think it's really strange to declare the word of God. That's just awkward. I just, I just don't like that. Declaring the word, that's just weird. All right, li- listen, reel it in for a minute and ask yourself, how many times have you declared what other people have said about you over yourself? Girl, she said this about me. Can you believe what she said? I've been in church world too long. Because <laughs> church people can find some drama. Bless God. But, but, but listen, it's amazing that you'll say what somebody else says about you, but yet you won't stop and say what God says about you. And the, and the sad part is, is because we do that, we believe in what they say more than what we believe in what God said. There's a problem there, gang. Yes? There's a problem. So, so listen, I could, I could I, maybe we'll go there. But let me show you this verse, Romans 10, 17. It's kind of the go-to verse here. It says this. It says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Watch this. So am I going to wait for somebody else to say it to me so I can hear it? No. If I want faith to come, I'm going to, I'm going to say it so I can hear it myself. Right? And it actually means this. It actually means a continual hearing. So it's to be, for there to be a continual hearing, there's got to be a continual saying. L- listen, guys, let me tell you how this works. There, there's days that I will, I, I basically I start my prayer life every day with this. Holy Spirit, is there anything that you want me to pray into today? If there's something I need to repent of, anything I need to go right, I get it right. And, and then I'll ask him, Holy Spirit, what do you want to pray about today? And I'll wait. And there's days that I hear him actually say, you need to say what I say. You need to declare it. And, I'll, and I will go in my limited knowledge of what I know that the Bible says about me, right? Because those are the things that counteract the orphan heart, that counteract the generational sins, that counteract the inner vows. I begin to say what God says about me. And I say simply this, Father, I thank you that you said in your word that I am boom, 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 boom. And guess what? When I first started doing that, I felt really weird, right? But what happens is, is after a while of saying that, a new pathway began to change. And where I used to think I was this, or I was that, or I was this, or that, in a negative way, those neurological pathways begin to change in my brain, and I begin to see myself much different. So listen, I'm saying here today, you can think I'm goofy, that's fine, but it works. And, and if you want to live in freedom, I'm telling you, this is how you get it. Amen? So, amen. Let me move on. I'm wanting a medal here. Let me move. Number five, number five, 
Simply this, apply the word. Apply the word. Apply the word. Listen, if you don't apply it to your everyday life, what good is it? Listen, that you can... You can literally sit back and you can go, I'm going to abide in it. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to declare it. But if you don't ever apply it, it's pretty useless. Amen. Amen. Look at this verse. If you think I'm crazy, James 1. Here we go. This is what Brother James told us. He said, but don't just listen to God's word. In other words, don't just come and hear the preacher preach. He says, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. It says, for if you listen to the word and don't obey, in other words, don't apply it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Amen. Amen. So listen, in other words, we don't want to be just hearers only. We want to be doers of the word. Yeah? So, so let me, let's get, take this to a whole nother level of just practical stuff. I, I want us, you know, once again, rhetorical question, but I want, I want us in this room to begin to ask ourselves these questions. And uh, nobody can really answer them for you, but uh, you, you need to begin to answer them with God's help. In fact, I'll just say this. You need to invite the Holy Spirit in the process because he's the teacher and he guides us in all truth, Right? Yes. And so you need to ask him to begin to help you honestly answer these questions. If you're the kind of person here that that always thinks everything's okay, you probably hadn't grown in a while. If you're the person that lives in gloom and doom, you probably hadn't grown in a while. So we want to get balanced and guess what? There should always be an honest uh, assessment going on with the Lord. Right, Not to beat us down, but just for growth's sake. right? And, and, and so there should be this assessment going on because that assessment allows us to move forward. And so if those things aren't happening, guess what? We're going to spend year after year checking the religious box, and we're not going to be going anywhere. I don't want to just go somewhere. Okay, I want to forget and reach. All right, There's somewhere to go in this thing. Amen? All right, so let's ask ourselves these questions today. Uh, what am I going through right now? What am I going through? Ask ourselves this, where do I need to grow? Where do I need to grow? In what areas of my life do I need to think differently? In what areas of my life do I need to think differently? Listen, what is the opposite of the inner vows that I've made? Because you're not going to find freedom unless you begin to recognize the the opposite spirit. Because that didn't come from God, right? What is the opposite of the inner vows that I've made? What are the solutions to the generational bondages I've struggled with? So in other words, if your family is anything like mine, but man, there's just sexual sin. And for you guys that, that weren't here, let me kind of break it down for you. Like, I, like I've noticed in my family, my, my dad sexually made this mistake. And I've watched two of my brothers make the same mistake. One of them twice. All right, so, so is that just, oh, that's just chance. No, it's not. I, I can run alcoholism and sexual addiction and sexual morality, anger all through my family. Okay, so, so to ask ourselves, man, what's the opposite of that? And, and it's this, you, you can sit back all day long and say, God, take anger from me. But until you get a revelation, until the old goes and a revelation of the love of God comes in your heart, 
That stuff isn't going anywhere. Once again, you can take it out, but if you don't fill it back up, anger's going to come right back. I lived that way a long time, I can tell you. I, I, can, I can testify, right? Listen, ask ourselves today, man, what, what are solutions to the generational bondages that I've struggled with? Ask ourselves, what are some of the orphan ways I think and I act? And here's what we do when we begin to ask ourselves honestly and take an assessment of those questions, once again, inviting the Holy Spirit in the process. When, when we have found the problem, we need to go find a solution, which is a Bible verse, right? And then we need to write that thing down, and then we need to meditate on it. I'm giving you some steps here. Find it, write it down, meditate on it, begin to pray it and declare it over your life. And then what will happen is, once again, then the next thing, make a conscious decision to apply it to your life. One more time. Here we go. What's the problem? God, what's the solution in your word? I write that thing down. And then guess what? I begin to think about it, meditate on it. Then I begin to pray it over my life and declare it. And then I make a conscious decision to apply it. Once again, with partnering with the Holy Spirit, he begins to form through that process again and again and again, new neurological pathways in our brain. So that what? So that when those old things arise, guess what? That I'll respond in the way God desires me to. Can I help some of you guys out? Your prayer life will dramatically change if you learn to pray the word. Can, can, I don't mean this strong, but, I'm, but, but I hope you hear it however you need to hear it. All right? is if you're the type of person that prays what you feel and you pray your thoughts and you don't ever get in agreement with that book, that's probably why you're not moving anywhere. It's probably why you're not getting victory. Because so often we come and we just basically dump our problems on God and we don't ever connect to Him in a real way from our heart to get the answers. And guess what? That's why we don't ever go anywhere. We can beg and plead all day long. Listen, we can whine and we complain. And that's what most people's prayer lives are. They they're complain. They complain. Right? And oh God, oh, oh God, oh God. L listen, guys, pray the word. Amen? I'm not trying to be mean, y'all. All right? I'll smile at you. Yeah. I'm just trying to help you. So, so watch this. Uh, while you're doing this, I want you to think about something. Is God intentional? Extremely. All right? So you can read all throughout the Bible, and you can see things that you go, man, that's just not coincidence. So I'll give you some before I say what I'm about to say. Is I've told you this before because it's one of my favorites. Is We know that Jesus is called the Lion of Judah, right? So I love the fact that when, when, when they crucified Jesus and he died, that Joseph of Arimathea went to Pontius Pilate and asked for his body. And he took basically Jesus and he buried Jesus in the tomb that was hewn out for him. Now here's what's amazing is Arimathea actually means the lion is dead. So the lion of Judah was buried in the tomb that was named after the lion is dead. Jesus, we know, is the bread of life. And he was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem means the house of bread. So the bread of life was born in the house of bread. Okay, so there's all these things that are all through the Bible. We could spend a long time doing this. So watch this. So fast forward. Here's Jesus. He has been uh, crucified. Well, where was he crucified? He was crucified at Golgotha, right? And Golgotha means the skull. Now watch this. Was that accident or did the father have something in mind? 
Is there something that he wanted us to see and something he wanted us to know that when we're going through this process of all this stuff we're talking about? The, the bottom line is, is we need to understand that when Jesus did what? When he finished his mission, right, and, and he accomplished that thing and he breathed his last, that when they pierced him in the side and blood and water, what spilled out on the land and on the ground, it, it spilled where and poured out where? On the place called the skull. So the point is that the blood of Jesus washed over the very place that covers our thoughts and minds. He's already did it. Right? And, and so, listen, that's what he wants to do for us in this season. He wants to wash. You, you know, I thought about calling today brainwashing, but I didn't want to scare anybody. <laughs> listen, we're, we're, David Koresh doesn't live here, all right? So, it's, uh, but, but, you know, we see brainwashing in a bad way. But listen, God wants to wash our brain. He wants to wash our brain. You can go read Titus 3, 5 and see how he does that. He literally washes our minds, okay? And, and so, listen, here's what I'm praying into for all of us this morning and those who will listen to the podcast, uh, you know, coming up. But I, I want to show you this verse, and we'll be done. Hebrews 12, 12, 13 says this. It says, So be made strong even in your weakness by lifting up your tired hands in prayer and worship. And strengthen your weak knees. Here's why I'm reading it. For as you keep walking forward on God's path, all your stumbling ways will be divinely healed. That's so good. We'll read it again. For as you keep walking forward on God's path, all your stumbling ways will be divinely healed. That's what forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward does in our lives. It heals all of those things. It changes the past. And so, listen, it is this. God wants to, if you walk away, maybe one thought today, that God wants to completely heal us from our past, not only us forgetting, but also having new thought processes of how we interact with the world around us, interact with Him, interact with people, so that, in other words, we'll be completely healed so that we can become all that He's destined for us to be. But we can't become all that He's destined for us to be without that. Amen? Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.